you were there. When my world fell apart, no one was there. Not the father who was supposed to protect me. Not the mother who was supposed to clean my wounds. Not the siblings who were supposed to look out for me. Not the friends who were supposed to dry my tears. They had all disappeared like a puff of smoke when I needed them most. So, I left them behind. It's been three years since that day. I moved from my hometown to a completely new place. I chose a house closer to the woods, further away from the world of human nature that was meant to provide security and comfort. Some security they were, not even trying to stop the one responsible. The only comfort I found in those days was comfort in the fact that I could one day escape. It's been about a month since I've started living in my new place. I've been living alone with a few neighbors within walking distance. At only 21, you figure they would at least ask why I'm, I'm living in a place in the middle of nowhere on my own. But no one pried. All of them saying people that come here do so to get away from the world, and it ain't none of our business bust to butt into their business, or something along those lines. Which honestly I've been grateful for. Here, my past does not define me. I don't have to talk or be reminded of it with every look over my shoulder. Miss Hart, can I help you with something? An aged voice asks, pulling me from my thoughts. Quickly, I shake my head. No, no, I'm fine, just lost in thought. I realize as I look around that I am standing in the middle aisle of the local convenience store, a basket of groceries attached to my thin, pale arm. With how out of it I am, I'm honestly shocked I didn't drop anything. In one of my hands, as I look down, is a box of strawberry pocky. I clutch it tightly in my fingers, tears threatening to escape. She loved Pocky. I think instantly as a barrage of images run through my brain. It's as if I'm watching them through a fogged window, as if they are getting further and further away. Standing across from me, a basket in her hand as well, is an older woman with gray hair and a caring smile. When I was your age, she says, I always had much to think about, too. I'm sure you did. I say as I look up at her, not really understanding what she meant by that. Whatever it is, she continues, I know that you can work through it. I blink at her. You don't know me, though. I know your name is Al Alexia Hart. You just moved into a house down the road a month ago, she explains, as if it is the most obvious thing in the world. Don't know where you came from, but it must have been a place with a lot of heartache for you to want to come all the way out here to Oak Square. Of course, I've been shopping here since the first night I arrived. It's the only shopping center for quite a few miles, so it's not as if I have any other options. This lady has been running the store since then, and probably for quite a few years by her trained demeanor, so it's not unlikely she would, she would know my name and be partial to my circumstances. I frown at my own stupidity. Right. I don't say anything else. I can't say anything else. If I even start to think about what took place three years ago, I'm probably going to explode into a fit of depression and not be able to make my way home. So I just take a look at my basket, which is almost full, do an assessment for what items I need for the week. Since it's just me, I decide this should be enough. I stroll over to the counter, placing the basket on the counter as I do so. 
Are you sure this is all? The old lady asks. You'll catch cold if you don't put some meat on those bones, dear. She's not wearing a name tag, and I can't remember her name to save the life of me at the moment. Strange, since I've seen her every time I've gone shopping here. But I can't blame her for worrying. I must look like a total train wreck. Bags under my icy eyes. My short, greasy blonde hair in disarray. My skin is pale and thin as a vampire's. I'm alright, ma'am. I assure her. But she doesn't seem appeased. Hmm. She takes a look outside the window. A warm grin touching her face. I notice the clouds are beginning to blacken as the wind starts to rattle against the window pane. I should have known it was going to rain. Somehow it always does when I travel anywhere out here. Looks like it's going to storm. You should stay with me and my granddaughter for the night. Oh, no, no. I'll be fine. I assure her once more. No, I insist! She instantly deflects me with a raised hand. It's getting dark and rain happens quickly out here. It'll be downpouring before you know it. I was just about to close the store anyways, and I have plenty of room. I look down on my phone, which out here is practically useless unless you are using the clock. There's barely any service anywhere, and I always have to wait till I get inside to connect to the Wi-Fi before I can communicate with anyone outside. Not that I have anyone to communicate to. I'm shocked to find that it is nearly 8 o'clock, closing time for the store. I really must have spaced out, as I generally never go shopping so close to dark. Something that tells me... That no matter what I say to this lady is not going to budge. She truly has a heart of gold. Never have I ever seen her turn down someone in need. As the rain begins to thud against the metal roof, I find I'm really glad for her offer. Thank you. My pleasure, dear. She begins to ring up my order as I get out my wallet. I have just enough in it to pay her until next payday. Since coming out here, work hasn't exactly been easy. I've been doing my office work remotely as I was since as I was since I got my job before leaving to the woods, but it seems like I clock in less and less hours every day. With my mental state it makes it harder and harder to focus, harder and harder to live. And I can't keep using the same incident as an excuse after three years. Not that any of them would even understand how it feels to have your heart ripped from you every day. She bags up my order and reaches them out to me from across the counter. She does not hesitate to close the register and immediately begins to close up shop. Within ten minutes, she has most of the lights in the store turned off and her belongings in hand. She opens the door for me, ushering me out into the overhang. Come, my home is just across the parking lot. Sure enough, as I peek out from the door, I notice an old cabin-like house on a plot of grass just around the corner. She pulls out an umbrella, holding it out for both of us to walk under it, and we begin our walk over. Within five minutes, her bones surprisingly spry, we make it into the house, dragging in very little rain despite the downpour. Make yourself at home, the old lady says. I'll make some tea. I bow silently to her, coat folded around my arms. My wrinkled black t-shirt and sweatshirt sure stand out in this old-fashioned place. I feel like I should be wrapped in either a shawl or plaid to even waltz in here. Nearly all the furniture is made out of wooden logs, the couches are stitched in old zigzags and covered in tasseled blankets, and there is a stone fireplace ready to be lit on the other side of the room. The lighting creates a beautiful aura of white light that illuminates me as I drop my sweatshirt on the rack and wipe my rain-stained hands on my stonewashed jeans. Sliding my feet out of my black combat boots, I stroll my way over to the couch and plop myself in between two overly large blankets. 
I instantly sink into the fabric and debate throwing a blanket over me. I know she said make yourself at home, but I've never been the type to touch people's things without permission. Though I couldn't resist the comfort of the couch at first glance. Within what feels like only moments, the lady comes back with a tray of tea and sits it onto the wooden coffee table. She pours me a cup and hands it out to me, then does the same for herself. She makes sure to open both containers of both cream and sugar before setting herself down gently on the couch. She throws one of the blankets around her before sitting in her tea. Ah, uh, to be home. She gestures for me to grab the blanket and do the same, which I quickly do as soon as I gain permission. It's probably the most comforting blanket I have ever felt, free of itchiness and flyaway strings of fabric, though the bright red rose patterns on it are not doing my dark image any favors. I love my cup with cream and sugar and take a sip. Though I can't quite place it, it is some form of spiced black tea and has an aroma of cinnamon. I can probably say with ease it is the most delicious tea I've ever had. I sigh in contentment, honestly truly feeling like home, like I never have before. Thank you, ma'am, I say, giving her a smile. You didn't have to do this. Of course I did, she says. And everyone around here calls me Dottie, so stick with that from now on. Ma'am makes me sound way older than I am. At this, I chuckle. Alright, Dottie, you can call me Alex. Alex, huh? She grins. Works for me. Honestly, though, she has a ton more life experiences. I feel like we carry the same energy. We both want to feel at home, in peace and quiet. We both don't like overly polite titles and prefer to stick to casual ones. We're just everyday people. Everyday people who have a history eating away at them, me with tormenting memories and her with age. So, Dottie, I say, curiosity eating away at me. Have you always lived here? She shakes her head. I moved around quite a bit when I was a young girl. Had a father in the military, so we were always on the go because of his job. I loved it when I was younger though. Always getting to see something new every day. I would have loved that, I sigh. I had, had to stare at the same old houses outside my window every day with the same nosy neighbors. For some reason, even though they were so unhappy, they never divorced or moved. Crazy, right? People do strange things for love. Love. The word makes me clench tighter and look down into my half-empty cup. I bring the tip to my lips, but I drop it back down. The soft porcelain feel of it reminds me of her lips, of all I have lost. From your reaction, she says, hitting the nail on the head, you've lost someone too. I bite my bottom lip, trying to keep the emotions from showing, well, yeah. I won't say you're running away from your problems like other old geezers, she says. Moving isn't always about that, after all. Sometimes you have to get away just to see the world, to realize that there's, there is something else other than heartache if you look for it. Finally, I think. Someone that understands. I just couldn't keep staying there. Every day reminded me of how I lost her. Of how much she meant to me. How much she still means to me. How much I want to hold her again. Kiss her again. The tears spring to my eyes, and I clench my hands shut over my mouth. I don't know what came over me, but I just blurred out my entire sob story to this old lady. Especially the fact that I was intimate with a girl. Sorry. Don't be sorry, Alex, she consoles me. I have an idea that the types of old people you have met have not been kind to people of your kind. 
They see them as inferior, stiffer, and therefore should be kept hidden. Such utter rubbish. Old fools, I call them. Too afraid to see the world for what it is. Love for what it is. Somehow, through my tears, I manage to smile at her. Though I find that I can't really speak for a moment due to clearing my nose. Dottie starts up the conversation again, giving me a sympathetic look. Do you want to talk about it? For this moment, I never have. At least, not to anybody but the police and to my own thoughts. I never felt anybody would understand. No one would understand how tortured I felt, this pain that I feel, but now... I feel like I'm talking to somebody that does, that can, even if I don't know her story. Her name was Claire. She was an angel. My angel. We started going out in my junior year of high school. We were both nervous and scared, but we loved each other and we were just waiting for the moment when we could get out of that godforsaken town and just be ourselves. Just be together, but nothing ever goes as planned. I take a few breaths to straighten out my thoughts. We decided to make our love known after graduation, but everyone in our lives ignored how we felt and continually bashed us for being different, for being ourselves. So one day, we decided to just leave. We were about to start college to change everything, to go out into the world and learn what it meant to be who we were. We took off in her car and never looked back. I set down my cup of tea on its saucer on the coffee table in fear of me dropping and shattering it during the next sequence of the story. But that night, on the highway, we were hit by a drunk driver. He swerved into our lane, crashed to the driver's side, Claire's side, and she died. I didn't wake up till hours after the crash in the hospital with numerous broken bones, cuts, and bruises, but... Claire was gone. Did they catch the one that did it? Dottie asks, attempting to keep me from fully breaking down. Somberly, I shake my head. They didn't try. He was long gone by the time some person found us and called the ambulance. It's like they didn't even care to look, but after that, I just fell into a pit of despair. I never managed to get into college, and no one around even seemed to care that she was gone, how much I was hurting. They just blamed me, like it was inevitable this would happen, that it was because I chose to run away. Somehow I managed to get a job I didn't even like, hashing out numbers on a keyboard, but I'm inches away from being fired due to being unable to work due to my unstable mental health, and I moved out here to get away from all of the judgmental stares, but all in all, I don't even have anyone I love anymore, anyone I can call home. At this point, I break entirely. The tears flow like a coursing river and spill all over Dottie's blanket. I try to stop my nose from leaking, but all I end up doing is sopping it up with the inside crease of my shirt's collar. I sob and sob, louder than I have since the day she died. I'm... I'm... so... so sorry. I manage to squeak out to Dottie. But Dottie is not the least bit troubled by my outburst. She pulls me into a deep hug, like one of a mother and fills me with as much warmth as she can manage in her old form. I'm so sorry, little one, she says sadly, for life to take so much love from you. I hug her back as tightly as I can, burying my face in her shoulder as I sob. I sob for what feels like hours, until my face becomes a runny red mess, 
and only then do I pull away from her embrace. She hands me a handkerchief from the coffee table with a smile and begins to use it to wipe away my tears and snot, as only a dedicated mother would do. There. Good as new, she says with a chuckle. Sometimes all you need is a good cry to change your perspective. I wouldn't exactly say good as new, but I definitely do feel better having gotten that out of my system. That someone was able to listen to my story and not outright blame and degrade me made me feel not alone for once. It felt good to be listened to, to be understood, to be comforted. Thank you, I tell her honestly. Thank you, Dottie. You're welcome, she says. And don't ever feel like your feelings don't matter. You were there, after all. Who else is going to be able to feel what you felt? Instantly, I nod in understanding. Somehow I relate to this woman on a level I never have with anyone else. She's like a kind sage, a treasure trove of wisdom full of love and honesty. I feel like a new woman now, I joke with a shaky smile. That a girl, she chuckles in return. In the light of the moment, the sound of a doorbell echoes across the living room. Dottie narrows an eyebrow for a moment, turning toward the door, then lights up in an instant. I almost forgot, she says as she stands up. I invited my granddaughter over for tea. She's about your age, so I felt she wouldn't mind. She really needs to meet me people at her own age. Hesitantly, I jolt up just as Dottie casually rises and trots to the door. You want me to meet her like this? I ask, pointing to my red splotched face that probably looks like an absolute wreck. If you like, you can freshen up in the bathroom down the hall, Dottie says with a chuckle, though I doubt she'll mind. You're a new woman. Be proud of your tears. And so I stand there, fingers anxiously wrapping against each other as I wait for the door to open. And when it does, I swear I meet another angel. Dottie invites her in and closes the door behind her. Standing in front of me is a girl around my age with hair as long and as beautiful as amber, eyes like emeralds. Attached to her body is a beautiful beige dress and an amethyst butterfly necklace placed elegantly across her tanned collarbone. Alex, this is my granddaughter Samantha. Sam, say hello to my neighbor. Hi, she says with a smile. You look like you've changed a lot since coming here. I smile brightly, nodding. I have. More than you know.